Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Three St. Louis kids recently got a storybook ending. They are siblings, ages seven, six, and five. And on May 13th, they were officially adopted into a new home with a mom, a dad, and five more brothers and sisters. And joining us today to talk about this remarkable story is Edna Green. She's a recruiter with Wendy's Wonderful Kids. She works with the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in Brentwood and also the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, which is a national organization. So Edna, welcome to the show. Thank you. And we're also joined today by Celeste Scott, and she is the new mom for these three St. Louis siblings, and she joins us today from her home in Oregon. Celeste, welcome. Thank you. And Celeste, congratulations to you on your three new kids. Now, you already had five. What made you decide to add on to what most Americans would say, this is already a really big family? Um, yeah, I came from a big family, and that's something that I've always wanted. And how, how five big just of wasn't a family? For me. <laughs> uh, I have. There's eight siblings in my family, also. Okay, so you've now kind of replicated the the situation you grew up with. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so you had you had these five of your own. Um, when did you decide? You know what? I want to begin to seriously explore adoption. Um, that took place. Let's see. Uh, I think it was four years ago that we first started um, doing our training and, and everything that we had to do to make it be a possibility. Um, it's something that I've always wanted to do, but it was something that I finally convinced my husband, I think, about four years ago. <laughs> he was a little more skeptical. Yep. <laughs> so four years, that's a long time. I mean, is that just how long it takes or, or were there some hiccups along the way? Um, it took long, I think it took a long time for us. We had to get certain things that we wanted, like it. we got one of those big 12 passenger vans to make sure that we had enough room. And like I said, our training, and then we went through a private agency thinking that they would have our home study done very quickly, but it still was about a year and a half process to get that finished. Okay, so there were definitely some things that took some time. Um, but as we mentioned, at the, at the same time, there's these three St. Louis kids, and they're now ages seven, six, and five. And uh, a lot of people love the idea of adopting babies, kids that are a, a little bit older. Um, Edna Green, I'd love for you to speak to that. Are there a lot of parents who are out there saying, yeah, I'm willing to take on a seven-year-old? You think about the interests of our kids when people think about adopting. They're looking for that. They want infants and they want those babies and they want to start right there. But we have a need for those kids that are older. Mm -hmm. um, there's a need for sibling groups. There's a need for adoptive homes for kids that have challenges in life. But, but sometimes they want the younger kids. That, that is true. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned sibling groups. Um, these three are, are a sibling group. They're all um, now in the same home adopted together. Why is it important then uh, uh, to keep siblings together? You touch a special place in my heart because they came and they, the siblings have the longest relationship. Think about it in, within your own unique family. I'll start with my family. My mom is deceased. And my brother and my dad is deceased, but I still have my five siblings with me. We were raised together in that home. We, we've been through milestones together in that home, and I just not in life without my siblings. And I think about that for our kids that enter foster care. They came in together. They share that trauma together. They, they know they, they have that, they have that bond there. And it's, 
it's hard to hear the term sibling separation. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that siblings belong together. Number one, just for that longevity, and just because you know you understand that trauma about that, that makes been through together. Yeah, that completely makes sense. But I imagine, as you say, sibling groups are hard. A group of three siblings, that's a big ask. Um, Celeste, did you go into this saying, yeah, I want to find three kids? Nope. (laughs) Um, My husband finally agreed on one, and I knowingly, there's no way I was just going to adopt one kid. Um, But I convinced him on the two, so he started letting me look for two. And then um, this sibling group came up, and I just... Um, they were adorable. I had to submit on them, and I knew from the beginning, as soon as I talked to Edna, I knew that these kids were supposed to be ours. So you say when they came up, um, were you seeing, like, a a profile of them um, somewhere? So, yeah, I I was looking on all of the different states' websites of the kids that they had available in their states for adoption, Um, and I thought that once we got all of our paperwork done and all of our training done that it would open the doors and we would see a lot more but that wasn't the case I think Hmm. pretty much what people see is what there are at least in my um in what happened with us um but yeah when these kids came up on uh I don't even remember what website it was but one of them that I was looking at then I immediately um, submitted on them and then it's it's a lot of waiting process mm-hmm. of waiting for someone to get back to you or <laughs> now Edna as Celeste described there um, you know she thought once she was through some of these hurdles that there would be um, a really large group of kids out there waiting for adoption and certainly I had that impression myself that if if you're talking about kids that are not babies that there's just thousands of kids out there waiting to be adopted is that not necessarily the case it is true we have we have those wait we have those sibling groups of children waiting to be adopted. But you have to really think about there's this process called HIPAA and you have to be sensitive to that. Mm. Also, you need to be licensed. Um and uh Celeste found those kids because I was very strategic in my recruitment efforts for these children. We have it so you have to be crafty, um, so to speak, when you're looking for these homes. I would always start with your state. Mm-hmm. and your local child welfare agency and they can clue you into different um, places where you can find waiting children. Um, the Heart Gallery is one for the state of Missouri. Um, Adopt Us Kids, Adopt U.S. Kids is another uh, website that you can find waiting children. A Family for Every Child is where you found the children, uh, Celeste, uh, their short media profile. Am I correct? Um, it was no. I brought it to their attention. They didn't have it on theirs on their listing yet. But I, I do need to clarify. When we were first looking, we were looking for two year olds and younger, and mm. that's um, oh, and that's much yeah. more of a challenge. It sounds yes. like <laughs> okay. And so, what made you decide we're going to go um, years older than that to be willing to take on a seven year old? What what shifted your thinking? Um, just the fact that we couldn't find kids that were two and younger. It was, Mm. um, I've been told that it takes three years for them to even be released as adoptable um, in the system. So it's almost, uh, in my, at least my understanding is it's almost impossible to get a two-year-old. But our daughter, our youngest biological daughter is eight years old. And that was always like 
what our criteria was, they had to be younger than her. Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes sense. And so she's then very close in age to the oldest of the sibling group. They kind of meld right together in terms of ages. Yep. Yeah, they're nine months apart, but they actually have become really, really close friends. So it's been awesome to see. So that is a big part of what I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, you saw them on this website and you got some information about them. You're working with Edna. Um, how committed did you have to be to the process before you were able to actually meet them in person? I know you're coming from Oregon. That adds some complications. Yeah, it was um, I was it was January of 2018 that we first submitted on the kids and it took well last year about the same time last year that they were able to finally come out here. So it, it has been a long process. Um, and, and yeah, we had to be at a point where we said we are planning on adopting these kids regardless of what um, background what we find out when we come out to meet them. Even before you'd met them, you had to make that commitment. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so then when you finally met them, um, that's just got to be hard for everybody on both sides of this. Uh, were there some challenges? They were The kids were actually so excited to meet us and to mm. be with us and to be together because they had been in separate foster homes for, I think, about three years. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, the excitement of being together was probably a lot of it, but they were so excited. They called us mom and dad from, you know, the, the moment we met them. So that was an easy transition for us. It was it was difficult. There were a lot of difficult um, things along the way, but mm -hmm. they've come a long, long way since we first met them a year ago or a what, year and a half ago. Was it hard for them to leave St. Louis or, or was that not so much of an attachment for them at their age? Um, I'm not sure if that was hard for them to leave St. Louis. They definitely get excited when we say, hey, meet this person, they're from St. Louis or, <laughs> you know, um, they get excited just hearing that somebody is from that area or that knows something that they know. Um, but I, but they have never acted like they were, they've been upset to be gone mm -hmm. from St. Louis. And Edna, so you helped to make this placement happen. Um, what about Celeste and her family uh, made you think this is the right home for these three? Um, I, I really read her home study. So I read her home study. I read the family home study. I um, I like what was in the home study. I can't recall. I think it was after my conversation when I had a conversation. When I read the home study, I contacted her licensing worker and I asked was this family um, licensed, ready to adopt the sibling group, and if they were not matched with another kid, could I have permission to talk with them? And the licensing worker said yes. And it was my conversation with. Celeste. It was just her approach to parenting hmm. that struck me. I knew my kids had some challenges in life. I knew these kids had been traumatized. And I wanted to make sure that um, I could find, I could hear, I can listen to a person describe how they parent and how they would address the situation. And I was like, this lady can meet their needs. Hmm. I knew after talking to Celeste that she could meet, she could meet these children's needs. She can love them. And culturally, I felt that she was competent for these children. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Because these kids are black and, and Celeste is white. Is is that correct? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what I liked was her spirituality. Mm -hmm. Celeste falls back on her faith. And you, you would need that when you're working with children. And it was just how she wanted to... Um, how she was willing to meet their needs culturally. We talked about hair care, 
skin care, her approach to that. I mean, all of that. And she she didn't know I was going to ask these questions. She didn't know I was probing. I have to probe. Mm -hmm. I have to know that. And that lady, I tell you. And then, you know, I fell in love. And I just fell in love with her and her Mm -hmm. family. Well, that's that's just so lovely to hear. And it's so great to hear that there's somebody like you who's doing this probing. And as you said earlier, you're you're being crafty, like you're you're uh, fixated on the idea of finding the right family for these kids. And it sounds like you're there um, every step of the way, making sure that they're going to get the right uh, mom and dad. I mean, the Dave well, Thomas Foundation is signature and we meet we met every month. We had monthly meetings and we talked about next steps and we talked about what's going on and how we can meet these needs. And we talked about self-care. We talked about that so much with Celeste. I know she got tired of us. <laughs> Edna made me braid her hair when I got there. Really? Oh, I she was going to say anything, Celeste. <laughs> wow. So you really put her through some tests here. <laughs> That's amazing. But it sounds like you two both just felt some confidence in this. And um, as we said, this was on May 13th that this became official. So this was just a couple weeks ago here. Celeste, this is this four-year journey. Your husband initially said, yes, you can adopt one. You end up with three. <laughs> what was going through your mind on May 13th as the judge made this official? Um it's finally here. <laughs> it's, it's been a long road. Did you cry? I did, yes. Did, did the kids did. cry? They were all asleep because it was 7 o'clock in the morning at our time. <laughs> <laughs> Edna, were you able to be there for this? I, I was not able to participate. Um, no, not at all. But that's got to feel good to know this is final. This is, uh, this. You know what? I was so happy. I was so happy about that day. I could not. I kept uh, texting. Is it over? Is it over? Can I call for this? Can I? Call? <laughs> no. I know Edna. <laughs> I think Edna emailed me like three hours later and said, um, "I'm still sitting here waiting by my phone." <laughs> oh, no. I did for <laughs> Well, I was afraid to email because I didn't know if he was going to be talking to the judge. <laughs> and Celeste, I imagine there were so many people you probably were talking to that day that it, it must have just felt like a whirlwind. And, um, you know, trying to remember to check back with who and to, you know, let people know it's done. This is official. Well, and it was so weird, too, because the... Um the attorney had to call us on his cell phone and just ask the questions over his cell phone because the courtroom didn't even have the ability to call, make a long distance phone call to us. Wow. This is, these courts, they are out of date. <laughs> the pandemic is, is putting some pressure on some institutions that do need to modernize. Um, but wow, this is just such a happy story. And I'm so happy for these three kids. And Celeste, I'm so happy for your family. And I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Um, it's been great to hear your story. Thank you, Sarah. And good luck to you and and your very big family going forward. Thank you very much. And that was Celeste Scott, who we just spoke with. She's the Oregon woman who adopted three St. Louis kids on May 13th, she and her husband and their their five other kids. And uh, my second guest, Edna Green, is the adoption recruiter who made it all happen. And, and Edna, I just have a few other things I did want to talk to you about to get the, the bigger picture sense of things. I know your focus is on kids who are hard to place. What are some of the issues that these kids are going through now in the middle of this pandemic when everything has just sort of been thrown into chaos? Chaos. Uh, you know, when you, you the preparation for permanency, um, imagine how hard it is to continue that relationship and that talk, that serious talk about permanency and adoption. 
um, during a pandemic because those are very personal conversations. Those that's an in-your-face conversation with a child, mm-hmm. and this is really hard during a pandemic. But to me, what's important is the communicates that you still have conversation with your children, even if it means through FaceTime, Google Duo, Zoom. You still have that. Uh, you still can stay committed and connected to your children. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's huge. Now, our producer, Emily Woodbury, she spoke to Rita Sorenin, and she is the CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. And here is what Rita had to say. Children come into foster care through no fault of their own. They've been abused or neglected. And that carries layers of trauma from the abuse, from having to move multiple times, from being separated from family, going through court hearings, meeting with you know multitudes of strangers. So think of that just as the baseline of being in foster care. And then add to that this COVID pandemic where um, children are at elevated risk because they have those layers of trauma. Their systems tend to be more susceptible to healthcare issues. And something like this um, can be you know, significant Um, if they're exposed to to the virus. But there are other issues as well. For example, imagine a child that's in a foster placement and the family is now experiencing either um, economic insecurity or they become ill themselves and so the child has to move again. That puts them at risk again of, of, of just the movement and moving into another family and other circumstances. And that's Rita Sorenin. She is the CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. And beyond the challenges in foster care, uh, Rita noted that there are currently 10 children in Missouri and five in St. Louis who are just waiting for a judge to finalize their adoptions. And in Missouri, some jurisdictions allow in-person proceedings, but that's at the discretion of the courtroom commissioner during this whole pandemic we're in. And so Rita, who again is the CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, she really wants to encourage judges to be proactive and to make these adoptions happen virtually. We would encourage the courts to say, look, if you have a court hearing scheduled to finalize an adoption, please consider doing it via Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever platform you have. Because what we're seeing is a smattering of judges across the nation, a smattering of courts have realized they absolutely don't have to stop the process entirely, whether it's hearings or adoption finalizations. The end result of stopping all of those for two or three or four or six months, depending on how long the goes on is that there will be an incredible backlog of cases once the courts open back up. And that's Rita Saronin, the CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, just worried about, um, you know, can these courts get back up to speed as things start to open up again? And Edna, the bigger picture is that there are so many of these older kids that are out there um, waiting for adoption. What happens to these kids if you can't find a family like the Scots that's willing to take them? The sad reality is if we're not if we're not proactive in making sure if making sure that every kid have a family. When I say a family, I mean an anchor, that person that's committed to be with this child through every life milestone. Our kids will age out of out of care without that safety net. Can mm-hmm. imagine not having that safety net that safety net. Uh, and to me, I look at it like this. If you know that forecast, if you know that you have a sibling group of three that are 10 in five years and you're going to say, we have, we cannot, we're not working toward any permanency and they're going to age out of the system without no connection, without no one to love them. 
Shame on you. We have an opportunity to be proactive and, and really do our best to make sure that every kid has have that loved one, have that family member, have that anchor. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, in our last minute here, for, for people who are listening who are maybe not in, in a position to take on three kids right now or even one kid, but they still want to do something to help, what's one thing you could point to that, that we could do for kids in foster care right now? I would always say contact your local agency and ask, can I volunteer? Can I be a mentor? Can I go through the background check? Can I foster? Maybe I don't want to be a mom, but maybe I can have the opportunity to foster uh, a sibling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Get connected with your local agency. I'm just going to throw this out there. The Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition is willing to work with you in getting started and being a foster parent or maybe down the line being a pre-adoptive parent. Okay, so that's the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in Brentwood, which Edna works with closely. She's recommending just to get in touch and, and see how you can help. So, Edna Green, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And Edna, again, in addition to her work with the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition, she's also the Wendy's Wonderful Kids Recruiter, and uh, that's through the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Also, please join us this Sunday at 3 p.m. for a special edition of St. Louis on the Air. We'll discuss the protests taking place in St. Louis and throughout the world. And we want to hear from you. How do you feel about everything that's happened recently? Leave us a voicemail at 314-516-6397. That's 314-516-NEWS. We just might play it on our show Sunday. We'll also take calls live during the show. And again, that's Sunday. Sunday at 3 p.m. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.